Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good Sunday evening, everybody. I'm Eric Kane. That is Brent Hubs, and welcome to the Rocky Top Rewind. We do it every single Sunday night right here on the VolQuest YouTube channel where we recap and we look back at Tennessee's football opponent the, uh, the day before and kind of look ahead for what's to come for Tennessee this week. Uh, 8 to 9 o'clock here on the Vogelish YouTube channel every Sunday night during football season. It's brought to you by our friends Spivey King and Spivey, LLP. Three partners, Matthew A. Spivey, uh, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. That is TN Trial Lawyers, specializing in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. If you have a need, give them a call for a free consultation today. That's at 423 423- 245-4185, or visit them online at spivykeenspivylp.com. Brent, it was a good win for Tennessee in the sense of Tennessee bounced back. It did what it was supposed to do against an inferior opponent, 145-14, jumped out 31 to nothing at the halftime break. There was a lull in there for sure, but at the end of the day, Tennessee was supposed to win convincingly, try to kind of get back off the mat from the loss at Florida in front of South Carolina, and it did just that. It, they did, and, and you know they started fast, which they needed to do. They, they started fast defensively with two three and outs, uh, giving up I think three yards and six plays or something like that on the first two possessions. Um, I think this thing could have been uh, sixty-five to nothing type game if they don't have the special teams blunder um, there, because I think Tennessee was going to go twenty-one nothing on them, just blitz creek right out of the gate in the first quarter, and I, I'm not sure what would have happened after that, but. Um, there's a lesson. There's plenty of lessons to be learned. There's plenty of positives to build off of. Uh, the the defense. You know, there's a lot of talk about the lull, and and you and I talked heading into the to the media center. You know, my my whole focus on the lull was was Joe Milton's lack of, you know, the offense losing its punch and Milton one for eight or whatever he was in that stretch there. No. But when you go back and rewatch it, really the lull was the defense was so flat to start the second half. Um, you know, they 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 missed five tackles in that opening drive of the second half um, just didn't play with the same level of intensity coming out of the locker room in the same, ha- the same way they did to come out of the locker room to start the game. So a lesson to be learned there for Tennessee. Yeah. New quarterback uh, made a couple throws, did a couple things different, but not, not enough to shock you. Right. It, it wasn't like they went from the spread to the triple option or something uh, there And Tennessee. I don't think played with as much intensity to start the second half as they needed to defensively. Um, but but something to build on, something to learn from. You play, continue to play a bunch of young guys. There were some highlight moments for those young guys. There were some low-life moments for those young guys. And and you hope that you're eliminating some of the low-life moments and, and continue to build you some depth because you're going to need it down the stretch. And obviously Saturday night at Neyland Stadium is a huge game with South Carolina coming to town. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to try to make any excuses because certainly you know that you know, that coaching staff is you know wearing them out on that sideline. But I mean, you're up 31 nothing, and, and you go into halftime break. I mean, it's easy to see you lose focus, easy to see that coming out of the second half. Uh, you came out, you started exactly the way you wanted to, and you wanted to, you know, essentially put your, you know, put your foot on their neck and, 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 and like, end this thing, right? And, and it didn't. Um, so, again, we can break that down as it goes along. But 
Uh, Joe Milton did a lot of good things in this football game, did some bad things. We'll start off with a question here, and we'll answer all your questions here uh, over the hour from 8 to 9 o'clock here on the Rockets Up Rewind. Herb wants to know, any update on Joe Milton? He, uh, Brent, he was tackled, kind of kind of got bent funny, that left knee. It looked kind of scary from the booth upstairs. Um, he, he laid down there, grabbed that knee, but he jumped up, went to the tent. It was a quick change of possession. Tennessee's offense ran back out there. Joe Milton went out there. He braces up. Tennessee's leading 31 to nothing. And the first team offense, and Joe Milton goes back out there. He plays. He never misses a snap. But it was kind of a scary moment there. And, of course, there's uh, there's some you know things going out there about Joe Milton getting an MRI on a Sunday afternoon. Any update on Joe Milton and his health? Yeah, I'm, that MRI may have occurred Saturday night. He was wearing the yeah. same pullover in that picture that's floating around out there that he that he had on when when he left the stadium. But uh, a couple of things here. One, it's it in, in this day and age, it's not uncommon to get MRIs. You know, it used to be it was a serious deal if you got an MRI. You know, now they they do those almost like you do an X-ray anymore. So he's not the first Tennessee athlete to have an MRI this year after a football game. Probably wasn't the first Tennessee athlete or the only Tennessee athlete to have one after yesterday's football game. Um, so, you know, the, the the news that I have on Joe Milton is there's a belief that he's going to be fine. Uh, he is sore today, but I think the early returns on everything seems solid, seems fine. And uh, there's a belief that Joe Milton's going to be ready to go on Saturday against South Carolina. Uh, but it's Sunday night. We'll see how things progress as the week goes along. If we've learned anything about this football season. Um, you know, there's some gamesmanship that's played by this coaching staff for sure. There's also been some moments that the coaching staff thought somebody would play and they couldn't go. Danico Slaughter at Florida is a guy this coaching staff thought, and Danico thought he would be able to go, but he just couldn't go that Saturday. He had too much pain. Uh, so it's one of those deals where um, right now I think everybody feels like Joe's going to be ready. We'll see how he progresses and how sore he is over the week. I think one of the things um, – that you wonder about moving forward just initially off the top of your head is how effective would he be running the football? Because that was a, obviously a, a big part of what the early returns on yesterday was. And so, um, you know, that's something that we'll deal with in, in on game day and see as we go through the week, but I do expect Joe to practice and I do expect Joe to be around. He's not on crutches or anything like that from what I understand. And, and I don't think there was um, any kind of major, you know, negative, vibes coming out of the MRI. It was a scary hit. I watched it live. I thought it looked bad. I thought he was really hurt when I saw it live. I was surprised he bounced up as quick as he did. Rewatching it today, Eric, it was probably worse on rewatch yeah. than it was live. Um so he's very fortunate if it's not um that that it's not any worse than what it is at this point. All right, we'll take your super chats throughout the nod as well. Donovan back here has a question for us. Donovan, we appreciate you watching the show and supporting the show. Running game, night game at home. Tennessee gets five sacks. South Carolina 23, Vols 31. South Carolina offensive line is trash. <laughs> Bring the heat all game long. Uh, yeah, so we're going to have Colin Taylor of Gamecock Central coming on at 8.30 to give us a little bit more of a, a preview into who South Carolina is. But I think, you know, just from watching it from afar before we truly you know dig down deep into the stats and kind of go watch some of that game film, I think this is an offense that is struggling on the offensive line. I think they're struggling to run the football. I think one of their best weapons is injured right now, wide receiver. But Spencer Rattler's playing like a Heisman Trophy you know, winner right now. Since that Tennessee game last year, he's been a different guy. And I think you, you wrote somewhere today, Brent, that he has been sacked 17 times, which is so alarming at this point in the season. But it could have been so much worse if not for him and his athletic ability. So he's playing Superman right now. 
And they're getting a little bit better on the offensive line, but Spencer Rattler's a guy that's running around, making some things happen. And the the, um, the predicaments that he put Tennessee's defensive backs and linebackers in last year, obviously South Carolina is going to try to do the same thing this upcoming Saturday at Neyland Stadium. Yeah, no doubt. They want to get Tennessee in open space defensively, see how they can tackle in open space. Tennessee missed 10 more tackles. Uh, on Saturday, I think all of them were in the second. <laughs> felt like all of them were in the second half. They probably missed one or two in the first half, but they missed a boatload in the third quarter for sure. Six of those ten, I know for sure, came in the third quarter. So yeah. he has got to tackle well. I think rush lanes are important here. Um, you got to you got to play some kind of contain. I mean, he's nerve. You know, he's he gets on your nerves with the way he plays if you're playing against him because he just kind of keeps running around um, and. and and you know goes from there so uh he's playing well they've given up some points and some yards they gave up more than anybody expected them to last week they've had a hard time stopping the run against good running teams they were good against mississippi state's run game last night but state's kind of been up and down um they gave up 170 yards or 168 yards 178 somewhere in there to, to north carolina gave up 190 yards rushing to georgia so against good teams, they've had a hard time stopping the run. They haven't been great against the run. We'll see if Tennessee fan, if Tennessee can run the football uh, more effectively against them than they could against Florida and, and make the run game pop a little bit more than it did on, on that trip to games. Well, Neyland Stadium should be loud. It, it you know it should be the twelfth man and and be a real factor on Saturday night. It should be a great atmosphere. Yeah, we'll continue to look at South Carolina as the show goes on. Of course, fallquest.com all week long. We're going we're gonna to get into this Tennessee-UTSA win, but I do want to take care of some housekeeping. Uh, you know, Awesome Price put out a, you know, an updated developing report, of course, on Senator Cooper Mays. We're getting some questions asked about uh, any update on Cooper Mays. Of course, Tennessee's not had Cooper Mays so far this season. Uh, Brent also put out that story. It sounds like there's a lot that's been going on with Cooper, but it seems like, again, he's – He's nearing a return, and, and hopefully for his sake and Tennessee's sake, it's going to be this week. Yeah, and well, you know I think he will do more uh, with team in, on the practice field, more physical stuff uh, starting early this week, uh, and we'll get a better gauge as, as we go along. I, I think I think Josh Heupel's answer tomorrow to the Cooper Mays question is going to be um, something along the lines of you know Cooper's working hard to get back, and um, you know, as soon as he can get back, he will be back. We're never going to put anybody out there that doesn't feel like they can protect themselves or we're unsure how much that, that they are protected. We don't want to take any risk with anybody. Um, the notion that Cooper's not trying to get back is just not a true narrative. He is, he is trying to get back. I do think the procedure and know the procedure after what Austin reported today was a more in-depth pr procedure than initially I thought it was going to be. Um, and so we'll see. I, I, I do think that he is nearing a return. I think he's much closer now than he was two weeks ago. I don't think Florida was ever a, a target date for a return. I think that was gamesmanship week um, there. And I don't think he did nearly anything with the team to put himself in a position to play against Florida. I do expect him to do more with the team on the practice field this week to knock off some rust. And we'll see how comfortable he feels, how painful, how pain-free he is. Uh, how much pop he's got, how much rust he's got, all those things uh, we'll see as the week progresses this week. Yeah, we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, let's look back on Tennessee's 45-12 win here um, as we continue on with the Rocky Top Rewind. UTSA uh, didn't you know, possess the explosiveness uh, of that offense. They had a lot of guys out, starting quarterback Frank Harris didn't play. Um, but even when all those guys were back, it seems like that offense at this point kind of taking a step back. Uh, Tennessee jumped out to a 31 to nothing lead, went to halftime break, came back. 
Uh, defense allowed those uh, two scores. Offense is going three and out. It was 31-14. Then Tennessee responded the right way. Uh, scored a couple more touchdowns and uh, finished that thing off 45-12. to I thought the operation, and again, you're at home. You're not dealing with crowd noise. Um, you're playing an inferior opponent. I recognize all that. Having said that, you look back at Austin P a couple weeks ago, and of course Florida, thought the operation looked much better, Brent. Only ran 66 plays, which they need to run more plays. However, scored 45 points. You're averaging almost eight yards a play. Uh, you're being productive with those plays, and, and so that was good. Um, see, Let's see here. I think four of the team's seven scoring drives, um, I believe was in four plays or less or something like that. They were scoring at a quick pace. The tempo looked good. And then, of course, we mentioned Joe Milton. You know, he started that game 14 of 16. Um, he he kind of tweaked his knee. He didn't finish as strong as he started, uh, but he made a lot of good throws. And even on some of those throws, and you and I both kind of broke some of those down in the rewatch, boy, they were close. And I understand close is only only good and hand grenades and, and horseshoes and all that, but, man, it was close to really changing what his stat line was going to look like by, by game's end. Well, a couple things. One, when you have four plays of 40 yards or more offensively, and I think I've done my math right there, Maybe it's five plays of 40 yards or more. You had four runs. Is that right? You had small. Um, Samson had two. That's three. And, and Joe Milton had one. That's yeah, four. Four. So it's four runs of over 40 yards and a pass play of over 40 yards. You're explosive offensively. Your numbers look good when that happens. Your operation looks good. Um, your execution, your, all your stats look good when, when that happens. That's what Tennessee fans expect from this offense. Um, now, inferior opponent, we'll see if they can do that moving forward. But that's a big part of helping your operation look uh, the way it should look. My initial thought on, on Joe Milton was I don't know that he played real well was kind of what I thought leaving. Uh, I thought, you know, he missed some stuff that, that he should have made, should have happened, happened, uh, should have, you know, made better throws. He missed a really bad slant to Squirrel White for a touchdown. That's got to be a layup. I mean, that's like, to me, that one's like missing a layup coming down the basketball court. You got to make that throw. And here's the, here, not the struggles, here's the challenges with Joe right now. Joe's touchdown pass to Ramel Keaton was pitcher perfect. He sidesteps pressure, creates a window, steps into the throw, hits him in the end zone perfectly, touchdown. It's exactly the way you draw everything up to happen on that play. Uh, then he comes back to square white and he misses the slant. A um, couple of deep balls. The other one to Ramel going into the north end zone was a great play by the defensive back. Nothing wrong with that ball. Yeah, great it ball. It was a really good play. I thought his first, his second throw of the of the second half. The first one should have been a pick six because the safety jumped the jumped the horizontal route. Yeah. Joe never even thought about the safety being there. He he followed motion and never broke stride jumping in front of that route. Should have should have caught that ball. Got away with one there. Then the next throw was the deep ball to Caleb Webb. And on watching it at first, I thought, man, that is a bad throw. He underthrew him by almost 10 yards. Like, Caleb Webb had to stop. It was debatable on whether it could have been interference. Then you go back and continue to watch it. He really didn't have any room to step in the throw. And I know Joe's got a great arm, but I don't know that he can literally flat-footed stand in there, flick that thing 50-plus yards. He's got to step into it to some degree. You, you had an interesting pass protection deal there. I don't know if it was the right way, Eric, or if they busted that, but but there was an A-gap blitz. You had a left guard pick it up. Your left tackle got the guy on the left guard's shoulder and, and turned the outside guy loose. Well, you had protection help from Jabari Small, but he was on the opposite side of Joe. So he's got to go across Joe Milton 
which means the guy rushing off the edge has got several steps on you into the backfield as a free rusher. So he's already kind of on you a little bit. And it just kind of got cluttered at Joe's feet. And, and Joe couldn't step into that throw very well. So I think as bad as that throw looked initially, the more you look at it, part of that was because he just he couldn't set up and throw the ball because I don't know that they I don't know if they handled that protection right. Feels to me like he maybe he should have flipped Jabari Small over to that other other side of him if he was going to block the outside guy, or Small was supposed to take the a gap blitzer and the two offensive linemen played the guy across from them head up. I don't know that. I don't know how they scheduled that. But that, that protection issue there, whatever it was, caused Joe Milton not to have room to throw the football and really step into it and go that you, the way you wanted to go. So that's where Josh Heupel was talking about after the game, right? Joe's got to throw some balls better. They've got to do some other things around. Um, you you got to go around Joe. You know, you got to help Joe. Joe's got to help himself. There's a lot of different things that, that, that you got to go that way. So – uh, plenty of room to grow, plenty of positives, but plenty of room to go as well. Yeah, and again, for all these, you know, really close throws that we're talking about, um, you know, he, he had a couple bad ones too. I mean, fair is oh. fair. Um, he, he missed squirrel wide a couple of times. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, he missed squirrel wide on, I mean, they went about four times in a row down the middle. Yeah. And, and I mean, a couple of those are walk-ins if he hits, if he hits. One was about five yards behind squirrel. I have mm-hmm. no idea what that ball was. Now, Joe said after the game, his knee wasn't bothering. It wasn't no big deal. Um, you look at the numbers, the numbers suggest that maybe it might have been a little bit more of a deal than what it was. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where Joe's at. We'll see how things progress. I know Austin's asking, when will we know anything about Joe's knee? I, I think Josh Heupel is going to tell you tomorrow he expects Joe to be able to go and ready to go. But again, I mean, if we've learned anything this year, we've, we've learned we're going to keep a close eye on everything all week long just to see exactly what happens. I don't think – I don't know that there's going to be a ton of gamesmanship played here. I, I mean, I think this is one of those deals where right now they feel they feel pretty good about where things are after the, all the testing and looking at that. I mean, he went back in the game with a brace. He left. He wasn't on crutches. It didn't appear he had ice in the post-game press conference. You, you know, I, it feels like the MRI was more precautionary than anything. But you know what? You can get into one of those deals and find out stuff you never knew was yeah. in. So you just have to wait and see. And again, there was a uh, McCallum Castles drop one pass here in that stretch. Dante Thornton and Joe Milton were obviously not on the same page on one. Was is and I, and I think that was a Thornton deal. Noticing Joe's reaction, Joe's pretty yeah. level headed. Joe was pretty hot after that one. He kind of yeah. he kind of got after Dante a little bit there. So um, I think that one was more on Dante than Joe on that deal. Again, so uh, you know, we were talking on the post game mini pod last night. Even Josh Heupel was speaking in the the post game press conference. I mean, there's you know, we just sit back there and watch and we see the result. You know, we don't know exactly who's doing what, what the route calls for, all that type of stuff. And that's the same for defense. It's the same for everything. There's just there's a lot we don't know. And so um, I think a lot of these were on Joe. I think some of them weren't. But overall, really good stuff in the first half. And you know, after that knee tweak, kind of kind of battled and didn't finish the way you needed to. And in a game like South Carolina. Not just Joe, but the whole team, the offense, the defense. You have a lull like that, you know, like like in the second quarter at Florida. That's when you get beat. So obviously, you've got to you to try to minimize that. Uh, Donovan comes back and said, "Hey, I think when Joe hurt his knee, that affected him. Should have brought Nico in when we were up thirty-one nothing at half. Special teams can't have gaffes like that on the punt." Yeah, Cam Sell made a mistake. That's what Josh Heupel said, you know, after the game, and you could see it on the rewatch. I mean, he clearly just didn't know what was going on. He was sprinting, trying to get that ball, thinking it was live. 
it's a mistake. He'll learn from it. I think you and I can both agree, man. What <laughs> missed opportunities? I mean, Nico and some of these other guys should be playing so much more yesterday and in the Austin P game. And even yesterday, that second team offense should have came in a couple of series before, in my opinion. Well, you know, here's the thing, too, and we got a lot of questions that I'd like to get to here if, if we can roll through a couple of days before we get a break. But yeah. um, here's the thing that I give defense a lot of credit for, uh, Eric. When they bring in a young player, they're bringing them in in critical situations, but they're also not wholesaling changing, right? So you play a young linebacker with an experienced guy. Dalvin Hobbs is not only – the only time Dalvin Hobbs is playing is not just when there's other freshmen on there at the field with him. He's in there beside Omari Thomas, or he's in there besides a, a, beside a veteran. Uh, when they made changes in the secondary, Jordan Thomas goes to Nickelback. He's not playing in there with all the number twos. They're sliding those guys in to work with the number ones, right, to get some work there defensively. Maybe that's harder to do offensively. I don't know. I would love to see what Nico could do behind, a, behind the number one offensive line. Now, the number one offensive line has got its own set of issues, okay? Yeah. Austin A's mentioning here in, in his question, I think he missed my point when I was talking about the pass protection earlier. I'm not saying that was the running back's fault. I'm saying they messed that protection up and put the running back in a hard spot there. They've got to protect better up front. But I would like to see Nico um, – I think we'd all like to see Nico and some of these guys with some number ones intertwined in there to see how that goes and to see how he operates. They were clearly going to let him throw and play – the wide open offensively on that first series he was in the game. And what happens? Dante Thornton doesn't help him. He drops the ball, hits him square in yeah. the chest. All of a sudden that series is over, ball game's in. But when, with Joe in a knee brace, uh, you know, it would have made a lot of sense to get Nico on the field and, and, and keep playing football that way, at least to me. But this offensive staff, they don't – they wait late in games to bring to bring guys in off the bench to, to bring the – the, the twos in, if you will. It seems like it's late in games when that happens and blowout wins. Hey, we're going to grab a break real quick, and then we're going to have Colin Taylor here in about seven minutes or so. Going to tell us a little bit about South Carolina. We'll answer more of your questions, so keep sending them in there. I've got them starred, and uh, we'll continue on here with the Rockets Up Rewind. But uh, we couldn't do this without our friend Spivey King, Spivey LLP. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey, you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. That's TN Trial Lawyers. They specialize in things like criminal defense, family law, personal injury. Over 80 years of combined experience, Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout state and federal courts of Northeast Tennessee. The firm has got a vast amount of trial experience. This practice has been in place for 43 years with this specific partnership since 2012. They're energized and ready for today's modern legal demands. They practice primarily in Northeast Tennessee and the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, Hawkins County, Washington County, but also surrounding counties here in East Tennessee. And whether you're injured in a car accident, need a divorce, help with custody, uh, and, and to get your children, or have been accused of a crime, it's Bobby King and Spivey LLP. They are there to help you. Go see them in person today at 142 Cherokee Street at Kingsport, Tennessee. Give them a call today for a free consultation at 423-245-4185, or you can visit them online at SpiveyKingandSpiveyLLP.com. Uh, Spivey King and Spivey LLP, proud sponsors of the Rocky Top Rewind and also Game Time. Big shout-out to Game Time for being a proud sponsor of us here at VolQuest.com. You don't need to worry about buying tickets to the next big event you're going to. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Killer last-minute deals, all prices, views of your seat, the best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals as well. They show you pictures of your seats 
before you buy them so you know exactly what you're getting into, exactly what you're paying for. Plus, they've got your back at game time. Lowest price guarantee, which I'll tell you what that specifically is here in just a second. Event cancellation protection, job loss protection as well. Uh, that sounds pretty pretty good uh, for sure, taking care of you in case something happens. So what the uh, guaranteed price is, is if you find tickets to the event, the concert, the sporting events, whatever, in the same area, they're going to refund you or, or give you a credit of 110% of that same price. Again, making sure that they're taking care of you over at Game Time. So I encourage you today to download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code VOLS, and you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code VOLS, V-O-L-S, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guarantee. The Rocky Top Rewind will return here in just a second. All right, guys, welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind. Every Sunday night, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Time, right here on the VolQuest YouTube channel and over at VolQuest.com. I'm Eric Kane, Brent Hubs. We are looking back at Tennessee's 45 to 14 win over UTSA and also looking ahead uh, to what is to come for Tennessee and South Carolina. Gamecock Central's Colin Taylor going to join us here in a matter of minutes, but first we'll get back in to some of your questions. Uh, we'll jump in here with Ben. As South Carolina's line wide, Tennessee has opened as an 11-point favorite. I saw that line at FanDuel. It's in at 8 for Tennessee, so either way, Tennessee's a touchdown favorite. you got to think the offensive line, the questions there surrounding Spencer Rattler, and kind of where Tennessee is on, on the defensive front, albeit it didn't create as much pressure against Florida, I think that's a reason why Tennessee is a touchdown favorite in a couple points. Well, we'll see what happens moving forward, right? We'll see how the line moves throughout the week. Um, I think that line will fall some as the week progresses. Uh, but both these teams still have questions, right? I mean, it, this is a it's a South Carolina team that's still trying to find itself on the offensive front. Quarterback's playing really well defensively. They've had some moments. They're definitely more athletic, but they've had some moments struggling to stop the run. And Tennessee's not been complete. Um, you know, they've had offensive struggles defensively. They've had down the last two games. They've had a quarter where they took the quarter off. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, Eric, I, I think they gave up more yards in the third quarter to UTSA than they did in the second quarter to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now they gave up one less touchdown, but but you can't take quarters off. I mean, you you can't take multiple possessions off like that. Um, so there's 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 a lot of unknowns. I think that line will move some moving forward this week. Also, they wants to know how has everyone been so wrong about Dante Thornton? And you know, we we asked the question to Joey Halsey. I think it was Austin actually. He said uh, you, you referred to him as a freak in preseason. He said, well, he is a freak. <laughs> um, but but so far through four games, it's it, it's not materialized the way we thought. I mean, he's long, he's explosive, he's got all the potential just not jumping into this offense as seamless as we thought it would be in, in, in preseason camp because all we heard about Dante Thornton was this dude's going to be a star on the offense. Well, I mean, you go back to spring practice, he missed a lot of time because he was banged up. So we didn't really get to see him in the spring game. We didn't get to see him run one route versus a defensive back in fall camp um, because – and I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that we didn't see that um, – there's no doubt athletically he, he does have freaky athletic skills. He can run. He's got size, as you mentioned, all those things. It's just not translated on the field yet. He's dropped a couple of balls. I don't think he's got a ton of confidence in himself right now. Um, he's clearly he's clearly made some mental mistakes as well. Um, he is not a guy who put up huge numbers at Oregon. No. There's Everybody talked about the ton of potential that he had there, but it, but he, he was not like their number one 
you know, he wasn't their Jalen Hyatt last year. He caught a couple of deep balls, but I mean, he, he wasn't, he wasn't scratching a thousand yards receiving or anything like that. And um, he's just got to be more, he's got to be more mentally. He's got to be better mentally, you know, catching the balls mental there. He's got to catch the football and he's got to run routes better. Um, athletically, I don't think anybody was wrong about his athletic skill set because there's plenty of athletic skill there. Let's go to Rick here. He said, how bad does Hypo and team want to destroy South Carolina? I, I like this question because obviously, you know, you went to Columbia last year. You got embarrassed. I mean, you got embarrassed. You got knocked out of the playoffs. You didn't lose. You got embarrassed. It was a really, really bad loss. Uh, you want to win this game because obviously it's the next game on the schedule. That's coach speak. Um, it's a game at home. It's a game in the SEC. But, I mean, this game also has been circled on everybody's calendar. You know, Josh Heupel, um, he's coach. Um, he, he takes his job seriously, just like Shane Bieber does. Uh, he's prideful in his work. And your work got exposed in South Carolina. I think you want to win them all. But you want to win this one at home for sure, Brent. Well, nobody's forgotten last year, yeah. okay, and, and they're not going to. Um, and, and I'm not saying anybody did anything wrong, but but everybody's going to everybody remembers last year. Um, I don't think Tennessee enjoyed some of um, Coach Beamer kind of hand gesturing and pointing across the sideline. But but you know what, T- Tennessee got whipped last yeah. year, in South Carolina. I mean, defensively they got wore out. Um, so yeah, both these teams want this game. Um, and, and both of these head coaches want this game in, in a big time way. So, um, again, I think the fan base wants this game. This is going to be a rocking atmosphere. It's exactly what Tennessee wanted. It's a night game. I'm sure they'll probably go black uniforms, right? This will be their dark mode game. Would assume so. Uh, you know, I, th- this will be a rocking crowd. Now, the challenge for the coaching staff and, and, and for this team is – to, to keep your fans in it, right? Don't, don't, don't no show the first quarter. I mean, come out and play and, and really put the pressure on South Carolina. And we'll see if Tennessee can do that. They've obviously been a good starting team this year, scoring on three of their first four possessions this year in four games. Um, so we'll see. I don't think they go 81 yards on the first play, but, but, it, you know, history says Tennessee comes out of the gates pretty good. So we'll see if they do that against South Carolina on Saturday. The Rocket Top Rewind every Sunday night right here at BallQuest.com and on the BallQuest YouTube channel. I'm Eric Kane, Brent Hubbs, and our coverage grows by one person. Colin Taylor of Gamecock Central now joining the show. Colin, appreciate the time. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, that time of year where we're nonstop and happy to come on and, and talk a little South Carolina and, and Tennessee with y'all. Absolutely. I mean, this is a big one. Brent and I were just kind of you know answering a question, talking about that one Um uh, right before he came on, um, you know, Tennessee went to South Carolina last year and South Carolina whooped him and knocked him out of the, uh, the the playoff push and all that stuff. Now South Carolina is coming to Tennessee. What about this Gamecock program? Uh, kind of on paper and watching from afar right now before digging too you know, far into it like we will this week. Looks like the offensive line struggling. Spencer Rattler's playing Superman. He's He's been incredible so far and really kind of in sync with the new play caller there offensively. Yeah, it's... A lot of what Spencer Rattler's done well, you can kind of trace back to maybe the two weeks before that Tennessee game, but really that Tennessee game in Williams-Brice last year where he goes off for 460-something yards, six touchdowns, and that's just kind of carried over. Um, He's protecting the ball. He knows where to go. He's not struggling to really understand what this offense is doing. You saw a lot of that last year where they were trying to put square peg in a round hole, and Dow Loggins comes in and they've only played four games. If my math's right, that's what, 16 quarters of football. Uh, It's just 
it feels more streamlined. They're doing a lot of the same stuff offensively, uh, but more streamlined, more accenting Spencer's just skill set. Um, he's able to change play calls, but yeah, that's that's been the reason why they they have two wins right now. Without Spencer Rattler, I don't know where they would be. And um, yeah, the offensive line really had a, a rude awakening early, but they've they're starting they're starting a true freshman at left tackle, a blue chipper that they got in Tree Babalade. And then uh, Trevon Ball is another guy that's playing. So they're starting to figure some things out there, but it's probably not the strength of this group right now. But um, a, a team that has made a lot of strides since those, since that game up in Charlotte against North Carolina, but um, still a, a long way to go in a lot of different aspects. You, you know, Colin, when you, when you look at Rattler, I mean, he's obviously – everybody's known of him for a long time. I mean, going back to Oklahoma, he's always been a guy who could – uh, make some plays, you know, with his feet. It, it seems like he's using his feet to give him more opportunities to make plays with his arm than he did early on. Is that just Dow Loggins? Is that his comfort with his teammates and comfort in this offense? Is that just his maturity? Because it's not like when he gets outside the pocket, he's just turning and tucking and running um, like he did kind of early in his career at Oklahoma. What do what you see in the growth of him? when the play breaks down and it's kind of that freelance football. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of everything. Um, it's trust in his teammates. It's the system, but a lot of it's just maturity. One thing that they didn't do well last year was kind of teach him protections to the level he needed to know him. So now he knows where his bailouts are. He knows his hot reads. He knows, Hey, if the play breaks down, I need to escape to my left or to my right, depending on the play call he just understands them where he was abysmal against pressure last year. And uh, as I, I think he would entering last night, he was averaging 8.1 yards an attempt against pressure last or this year. So he's handling it well. He knows where to go. And a lot of it too, is they're giving him easier, less time consuming routes to develop. So he has quicker options around him in the flat um, on screen plays to where he's not having to deal with as much pressure, but yeah, a lot of it's comfortability, and he's ha- he's been at his best right now when he's been on the run and able to kind of extend plays. You saw it last night a little bit, too. Um, he rolled out, allowed Trey Knox to kind of drag across the field and found him for a touchdown. So he's that's the been the next step in his development, and a lot of it, too, is him standing in the pocket and being a threat there, uh, which teams have to respect, and then being able to extend if a play does ultimately break down. Colin, when you look at this team defensively, um, I, I'm trying to get a handle on them. They gave up a lot of rushing you yards. You and me both. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> they gave up a lot of rushing yards to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Georgia in the second half, you know, opened it up, started throwing it. But they ran for 190 yards. And I think some of those yards were kind of between the 20s, almost a little meaningless yards at times. And it seemed like South Carolina was kind of comfortable with that at, at times in that Georgia game. Last night, Mississippi State didn't get anything running the football. And, and I know State's not a great running team. They had over 100 yards against LSU. They, they went nowhere last night running the football. Where is this defense, specifically where is this defensive front seven right now against the run? It's it's kind of boomer bust. It, it has been. Um, if, if they're playing well, they really haven't created a lot of disruption. They haven't been able – last night was really the first time all season they were able to get into the backfield – create some tackles for loss, really get after the quarterback. And they got after Will Rogers much more so in 
the second half than they did in the first half when he put up gobs and gobs of yards. Um, but against the run, that's kind of been the bugaboo of the, the, the Shane Beamer era that they haven't been able to stop the run. And some of its depth, um, some of it could be tied to scheme, but they're getting there. Last night was a step in the right direction um, because that was a dangerous, um, dangerous, dangerous Mississippi state rushing attack at times this year. And, they have Boogie Huntley played out of his mind last night. Tonka Hemingway at his best is an all SEC caliber player. Jordan Strawn, one of their defensive end edge guys, is coming back from an ACL injury last year. So he's still kind of knocking some rust off, and they've gotten some guys back at the edge position that were hurt. So we'll see how that develops. But last night was probably the best night in a while I've seen them be able to stop the run and probably the best this season so far. Colin, you got two playmakers, obviously, Juice Wells, who I would assume is doubtful, um, anything else on him. And then, obviously, if he's not in the football game, you look at this speedster as a freshman, Xavier Leggetti. What does he do well, and what are some of the challenges that he he and his speed are going to present for Tennessee in the defensive backs? Yeah, we'll see on Juice. My guess right now is he's not playing. I mean, he's got that foot injury that's been lingering for since camp. Uh yeah. Shane Beamer had his teleconference tonight. We'll we'll see. Um, if I had to guess, probably not. But again, uh, a lot of that's going to depend on the week. They have a bye week after Tennessee, so that's probably a hey reevaluate things after that. But yeah, Xavier Leggett. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that's been in college for like what feels like twelve years. Um, he comes in. He was on the 2019. He was on Will Muschamp's not last season, but next to last season at South Carolina. He's been there that long, and wow. uh, yeah, he's just. Um, it, it's been insane to watch his development. And he's a guy that, when he got the ball in his hands, um, you could just see the speed. You could see the athleticism. He runs like a gazelle, and when he does all those things, he's a dangerous playmaker. The problem was he really struggled with drops and playing receiver you tend to have to catch the ball before you can run with it and this year the efforts there he's high pointing he's making contested catches and then when you tag on all of that with the fact that he can run and make people miss in the open field and has breakaway speed you're seeing what what you're seeing um just an all-around testament to development to scheme and it's been the story so far this year for South Carolina he presents a lot of challenges because they'll last night was the perfect example. He catches a little drag route 10 yards and I mean, five yards in front of the line of scrimmage and houses it 75 yards. And then they hit him on a go route and he makes a contested catch and pulls away from a guy and and goes the distance as well. So they use him in a lot of ways and it's going to be a test for really anybody, especially Tennessee secondary to, to try to challenge him and um, make some plays against him. Yeah. That's a Tennessee defense. That's had some issues when in open space, you know, really since last year. That's where South Carolina went at Tennessee. Florida did the same thing to start this year. Colin, when you look at South Carolina through four games, they're better where – where are they better than you thought they would be? Where are they not as good as you thought they would be after watching them play four games? Yeah, they're about what I expected in the run game, which hasn't been great. Um, I thought – I didn't know they would be this explosive offensively, especially in the past game. You kind of anticipated a little bit of a jump, but the fact that they don't have Juice Wells and have really only had him for 50 snaps this year and the fact that they're still um, this explosive, that's been impressive. 
Uh, I think the last couple games they've been better on the offensive line than I anticipated. Uh, defensively in the secondary, it's kind of been boomer bust. You lose two NFL corners and Cam Smith and Darius Rush, and you're kind of replacing those guys with um, either inexperience or youth out there. And you saw last night some of the growing pains that can come with that. Um, Nicky Minori and DQ Smith, even as much as they played last year, are still um, sophomores. So they're not maybe as far along at, in the secondary as I thought they'd be. I thought they'd be a little bit better at getting after the passer and converting those into disruptive tackles for loss pressures the way that they did last year, and, and they haven't. But um, I think they're better at linebacker than I thought they'd be. Still a work in progress, but um, I think they've been better at linebacker, more consistent at linebacker than what they've been the last couple years. Um, that was a position that needed to get flipped. And it's not perfect, but you're seeing some growth there that maybe I wasn't as – anticipatory of going into the season now that we sit here four games in Colin, i got two more for you and then we'll say goodbye i know i know we don't want to keep you all night um joiner has played pretty much everywhere it looks yeah. like he's sticking it at running back even though he's caught the ball out of the backfield a lot um kind of what's the plan for joiner so far this season and then the only true road game for south carolina so far has been at georgia correct yes how did how did that offense, how did that operation deal with the noise and the crowd? Was there a lot of pre-snap penalties? So, yes, there were a ton of pre-snap penalties at Georgia, I think. Now, one of those was Tree Babalade making his first ever start, especially on the road. He had a false start. Is that the left um, tackle? That's Yeah, that's their left tackle. Oluwatosin Babalade, but he's like 6'6", 300 and something odd pounds, and so they call him Big Tree. Um, <laughs> he's he's going to be a stud. Yeah. Yeah, there were a couple. Um, the game actually flipped because they made a mistake on a kickoff and got a holding call and started by the Georgia student section. Uh, so I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Like that was one where they go like no gain, no gain sack. Um, so there was a miscommunication. So there there's, could be a chance with as much youth that they're playing that they could get rattled early. So South Carolina needs to start fast, I think, this week. For Joyner, the running joke on the beat is he just needs to play one snap at tight end and one snap on the offensive line, and he gets his bingo card full um, <laughs> for offensive <laughs> snaps. He's played quarterback, and um, he was on the 2018 South Carolina team, by the way, which is just insane to me that we're talking about him still. Um, he's just been in college forever. Yeah, he'll stick a running back. He's been their starter there um, every single game. Uh, hit or miss. I mean, he's still getting used to the position. And Mario Anderson's another running back that's kind of come along of late. Um, pretty bully ball runner um, coming up from D2 out of the portal. Joiner's going to be kind of that short yardage. They're going to give him the ball in between the 20s, but they use him a lot in short yardage situations too um, near the goal line and can give him some direct snap opportunities as well because he's played quarterback. He was a quarterback in high school and um, – it's not really a wildcat package, but they can use him in those ways because he was a four-star quarterback coming out of South Carolina's high school system. And um, we'll see, but mostly running back and then kind of specialty packages here, or there potentially um, as he kind of moves forward and gets more comfortable with what they're asking him to do. Well, good stuff, Colin, man. We really appreciate you joining us. Uh, Colin Taylor from Gamecock Central. I know you guys are going to have a lot of good stuff over on the site this week, previewing Tennessee and South Carolina, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, this is a big week for both programs, and excited to see what, uh, what happens up there in Knoxville this weekend. 
Absolutely. Colin, appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate it, man. Uh, that is Colin Taylor over at Gamecock Central. And again, something that I really enjoy doing on weeks like this, you know, Florida week, South Carolina week, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, you go and check out what the other on three sites are, are, are saying, uh, the scouting report, the injury reports, all that type of stuff. Kind of go behind enemy lines, if you will. See the scout on South Carolina at the other on three sites. And of course, you're going to get everything from a Tennessee perspective right here at VolQuest.com. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Austin Price will join the show. We'll talk a little recruiting and answer some more of your questions. All that and more right here on the Rocky Top Rewind. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another Rocky Top Rewind. We're live for the next 14 minutes every Sunday night. VolQuest.com and VolQuest on the YouTube channel. We're here with you answering your questions. Awesome Price is going to join us here in just a moment, but I thought we'd get into some more of your questions until that time period. We'll go to Michael here. Uh, Brent, Michael wants to know, hey, if Romel Keaton can't go next week, and again, early in the week, we'll see what happens, but he was one of the, the many guys that got banged up and did not come back into the football game. Who is across from Brew McCoy? McCoy's another one. Is it Dante Thornton or Caleb Webb? I thought in the offseason, Thornton had the versatility to do all that. At this point in time, I think it's definitely Caleb Webb, who you saw a lot of, and you also saw a lot of Chaz Nimrod as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's Caleb Webb right now. I, I think Thornton's kind of locked into to one spot, maybe a little bit just playing that slot. Um, again, I think he's had quite a few mental issues, mental mistakes, if you will, through the first four games. So I, I, I wouldn't think they want to – overload him with a bunch of stuff. I think you would see Caleb Webb uh, in, in that role um, if Keaton can't go. And, and that's tough because clearly Keaton is the guy that Joe Milton is most comfortable with. So uh, you hope you hope Ramel can go. We'll see where he's at as the week progresses um, to, to, to see what the story is there uh, on Ramel Keaton. But if he can't go, I think you're going to see a lot more Caleb Webb out there. Let's go to Eric here. Eric says, appreciate the coverage, says his two cents. Every year's a new year, new dynamic, team strategy. Team looked overall better and continues to grow. I think we can all agree that Tennessee looked better yesterday than it did in the swamp against Florida. Uh, good question here. Who are the most dependable, the best DBs at this point in time? <laughs> hey, that's a million-dollar question, right, Brent? I mean, you've got the safeties who are going to play a ton of snaps. They do a heavy rotation at cornerback, um, even at star. Uh, who would you say has kind of been playing playing the best at the defensive backs? I think Gabe Judy Lawley is a guy that's been playing pretty well when given the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it's – I don't know. I mean, I don't know that they're playing – anybody's playing great back there. I mean, I would I would say Judy Lawley, but, I mean, he's had a couple missed tackles. Yes. The, the guy who's put up the most stats to this point is Kamal Haddon. Now, he decided not to tackle uh, ATN, you know, decided not to try to tackle him on the long run. Um, you know, he's got a pick, he's got multiple pass breakups. He was, he was solid yesterday, but you just don't know what you're going to get, um, one, kind of one game to the next. I, I think they need to Nico slaughter healthy. Uh, we'll see if they can get him healthy, but, um, this is a huge test for this secondary they, they've not been tested like this. When you look at it in Austin pay, price, let's officially join him since he's on screen. Welcome Austin. How you doing? Um, 
I like that. Austin slide is rivaling the Collinsworth slide. Pretty good. Um, when, when you look at this and you look at teams that Tennessee has gone against, I mean, Graham Mertz didn't even try to throw the ball more than 20 yards downfield. Um, so they really haven't faced a quarterback who can really stretch the field big-time vertical. That'll be different this week. So this is a much different challenge for this secondary. Yeah, Kamal Haddon, I mean, yeah, to, to put it in Coach Fulmer terms, I mean, you know, somebody's band is going to be playing, you know, with him out there. One of the one of the one of the one either way, um, you know, they've they've got to figure some things out. I, I'm with Hubs. I, you know, getting Danico Slaughter back this week it would be huge because I think honestly, if that if if Danico is able to go, I think you see a lot of Danico and um, and Gabe yeah. Volley. I think that's your your combo at corner. I think that's your best combo. I mean, Gabe, I think is really playing solid football. Um, and again, you know. Leggett is a freak, man, and he can really pick them up and put them down. They like to stretch it vertically with him, and uh, they're gonna have to find uh, good safety play over the top. You know, that's gonna be that's gonna be paramount as well. Good angles. You know, a couple of times Saturday they did not take the best angle, and so um, you know the, the secondary is gonna be tested. So it'll be interesting that they can kind of bend, not break, because they're gonna give up yards. They're gonna give up plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you talk about early keys if you will getting off the field on third down third and long situations you got to find a way to get off the field better than they've been getting off the field they didn't do it against florida so that's a key stat angles in the open field eric for tackling because you look at most of their missed tackles their open field tackles that they've missed and then thirdly it's it's the it's the pass rush lanes how much contain can you hold can you squeeze rattler in the pocket and not let him bounce out there and get into the the backyard ball, playground ball, if you will, where he is thriving right now. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I mean, that's going to be huge, and that's something that Rattler is excelling in right now because the offensive line, uh, and we'll know more as we continue to, to dig into the stats and everything and, and, and look at South Carolina, but just from afar, he's done so well kind of running around and just going and making plays, kind of like what you say, Brent. And, and we're at Tennessee the last couple of years and a little bit this year against Florida – where Tennessee's been in trouble is when they're having to run around a little bit and having to, you know, go get a quarterback whenever he's rolling to one side of the pocket. I mean, you're going to see that a lot this week. So for the ends, you're exactly right. Keep everything in. Contain's going to be huge. Don't get, don't get washed out. Create a big old lane that Elijah Herring has to go in and try to make an open field tackle. I thought he played well yesterday, but he missed a couple of tackles, overran a couple of plays, and that's just something he's got to grow through. But the ends got to keep it tight, and you want to try to keep him as bottled up as possible and allow you know everybody to kind of go and, and make some plays um i think it's safe to say austin that you're still going to see a heavy dose of, of cornerbacks you mentioned Danico slaughter he's got to play but you're going to see haddon slaughter lolly maybe warren burrell brandon turnage was a guy that we saw play corner and now he missed a tackle a lot for a touchdown yesterday but those safeties are probably still going to going to play there probably not a whole lot of rotation at the safety positions yeah i mean yeah, if there if there are you it would you would have to think that jordan thomas you know getting some more run um you know maybe uh, andre turrentine just to spell some guys but I, I think it'll be a lot of wesley walker and a lot of um jalen mccullough and then uh you know as far as corner i mean you know you, warren burrell got that pick saturday hubs i mean you, you know he's He's feeling it, got the mojo going, you know. I mean, and, and you know, but I mean, I still think this ultimately ends up being Slaughter, Gabe Judy Lolly, Kamal Haddon, that trio, uh, especially if Slaughter can go, um, at, at doing a lot of the, the reps at corner. 
Yeah, and I think Brandon Turnage could could get, could be that. He made a nice play, turned around. Yeah. Maybe um, ahead, maybe ahead of Burrell a little bit. We'll see. I mean, I know well, I that, that. Yeah, I, they worked him pretty hard there last week. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. Hey, Eric, can we play rapid fire with AP right quick? Let's do it. Is we're doing? All right, we're ready. AP is the Christmas tree up yet? No. Um, are they wearing dark jerseys? Dark mode jerseys, AP. You know, I, the whole time I was told that this was going to be the game they do it on, but, you know, there's that big push on social media from a lot of those Instagram and Twitter handles talking about checkering Neyland. I, you know, it'd be odd if they wore – that they checkered Neyland for a night game and wore the black jerseys. But, you know – Am I dreaming time, this or did that ha- – didn't they uh, – Florida one year, didn't they do gray and they checkered or is that, am I wrong? Uh you know, I think that might have been right. Um, I think I think they checkered it. Really, I think they checkered it in sixteen and wore smoky grays. Yeah. But that wasn't a night game. You know, it, you you throw that in there too. It just it it. I don't know. The, I think checker Nealon looks better for a three thirty game. If you can, they're, they're wearing they're going to wear black jerseys for this game. I mean, that's what the plan's been the whole time. But I mean, they're going you know, to wear black jerseys. I was always told black jerseys, South Carolina checker Nealon was likely going to be A and M. All right, Cassie wants to know um, if Tennessee continues to struggle, is it going to affect recruiting? And she's going to be at the game on Saturday, AP. Cassie, Eric will be signing autographs <laughs> in uh, the uh, ball club tailgate between uh, 2 and 2.12. Um, Come on, Bob. Um, you know, I, if you progressively struggle, it could hurt recruiting. Um, losing one game to Florida doesn't affect anything. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, it's something that, you know, you want to you want to get the mojo going again. Winning Saturday, I mean, you're going into the bye week four and one, which means you got two weeks to prepare for A&M. And, you know, anytime Josh Heupel's been coming off a bye, he's been pretty good. Look, last year when they went to LSU. So, uh, you know, again, I think this game is massive. It, it's big because you, if you go into October with two losses, there's a different feel than that four and one team going into the bye week. Three official visitors? Is that what you think? Uh, as many as three. We'll see. Okay. Good question right here, Brandon. Who's going to spy Rattler? I don't think that they're going to have a spy on him early in the game, but if he starts beating them with his legs, you could see that happening. Now, whether that's a safety coming down, whether that's a linebacker, man, sp- <laughs> Rattler, unless it's Aaron Beasley, or, you know, Rattler's probably going to win that one-on-one with a linebacker every time. Maybe it's a star. Tennessee will have to get creative to compensate if he is beating them on the legs. But I think going into the game, again, it's just kind of – keeping him contained with the with the ends and just trying to, you know, play everything inside and out. Yeah, here's one of the things. I mean, you want your ends to play contained, but then to, to make that work, you've got to push the pocket inside. And, look, UTSA was not very good. They had big bodies who weren't real quick in the interior. But I, but I think Bryson Eason is playing his best football right now. He's played yeah, the last couple of weeks. Had a good game. You're going to get Norman Lott back after he missed the first half. I think there's something there. I think Omari Thomas is playing better. I think those guys might be able to squeeze and, and get kind of in-the-face pressure that they couldn't get at times last year. We'll see if Tennessee can hold up on the ends and not give up the big gaps there. What you'd like to do is not have to spy him because you're just kind of squeezed him in, you know, down in the hole, if you will. But to do that, you got to get some some pressure upfield in his face and then your ends can't give up a bunch of outside you know, ru- runs uh, where, where he bounces outside of you. AP, John wants to know, again, this is kind of last week, but anything else about the the visit from Boo Carter to uh, Colorado? 
No, he plays at Knoxville Friday night. So if you're in the area and want to go watch Boo Carter play, he plays at Farragut Friday night. I'll be there to uh, watch Boo do his thing. Uh, Bradley Central tied for the region lead. And then he should be uh, over for the game on Saturday. Uh, continue to think Tennessee still remains in a pretty solid spot there with Boo, but Colorado's not going to go away. They're going to continue to swing. Uh, Jeffrey believes this game could be could come down to special teams that Tennessee can force a big play in special teams. How about this? You know, it's kind of gone under the, the radar here because there's been more issues, but Jackson Ross has punted the ball pretty well since week one, hasn't he? Yeah, and that, that goes back to the head coach who, you know, stood up for his punter post game and talked about, you know, coming into a new country and entering a new environment. And ever since then, after that, uh, technically, he, he did have that one shank, the first punt against Austin P. But after that, he was really, really solid. He kind of got his groove going with his left foot. Um, and then since then, has found the groove with the right foot. And uh, you don't rarely hear that with punters as far as just switching back and forth. But he's, uh, I, I think, been really, really good because his hang time has been good, and they've really not been able to return anything uh, that he's put down there. Well, and he's done a good job of, of holding that thing up you know, and, and keeping his footwork the right way, allowing those guys to get downfield. And it's hard to return a punt against him. Josh Turberville, I mean, everything's been a touchback now for, I think, three straight weeks. He seems to be hitting it well. I don't know that South Carolina is going to have a lot of opportunities to return kicks. And here's the thing we're seeing, too. I mean, D. Williams has done enough. Nobody's going to kick it to D. Williams. Everybody's kind of pinching him against the sideline. He is a dynamic guy with the ball in his hands, but, boy, they are – they're taking it away from him. I know AP, you asked the question two or three weeks ago about offense. I know it's not going to happen, but he is one of the best guys on this team with the ball in his hand, and I think every team that Tennessee plays is going to try to eliminate that possibility by him and him up against the sideline or putting it out of bounds. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I think that's uh, that's something you should do if you're the opposing team. And Absolutely. There's going to be the occasional punter that puts it back and, and kicks it just a touch too far inside and then – Watch out. Hey, Nick says right there, and we'll kind of end on this. Nick says, it feels like this game, it's like you got to score 40 to win, and he might be right. But here's the question I'll leave for you guys kind of going out the door. Uh, against Virginia, now South Carolina is much better competition than all these teams, but against Virginia, you ran for well over 200 yards. That was good. You ran for 200 yards against Austin P. Did not run the ball well against Florida. Ran for 300 yards against um, UTSA on Saturday. How much does Tennessee need to run for in order to win this football game, Brent? Oh, I think they have to be very ba- they have to be balanced. I mean, I think you yep. got to I think you got to run for two hundred yards. Uh, you go look at when Tennessee's scoring forty points. Look at how many yards they rush for to to, to get to forty points. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've got to be able to run the football. If it's a labor to run the ball, if they don't crease some runs and, and turn some five yards runs into some ten yard runs, that, then Tennessee's going to have a hard time scoring particularly if this is a shootout game here. Tennessee has to be able to run the football for this offense to click, to play at the tempo it wants to play at, and and to be as effective as they want it to be. They've got to be able to run the football. When they've been at their best, that's because they're running the football. Guys, we thank you so much for joining us here on the Rockies Eye Rewind. Like I said, every Sunday night, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern time, VolQuest.com and VolQuest on the YouTube channel. Big thank you to Spivey King and Spivey LLP for making all this coverage possible. Great guys, big UT fans. If you have a problem, let them find a solution for you at T and Trial Lawyers. Give them a call today for a free consultation, 423-245-4185. Tennessee wins over UTSA 45-14, now 3-1, and moving on back into Southeastern Conference play at home against South Carolina. It's going to be a big one. 
and we'll cover, we'll preview every single angle of this football game over at VolQuest.com as the week goes on. For Brent Hubs, Awesome Price, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for being here, taking part in the uh, VolQuest Rocky Top Rewind.